Well, good morning once again. When you think about your life up to this point, is there anything that you would change? Would you change your job, your income? What about the house that you live in? Would you change who you're married to? Now, fellas, be careful how you answer that one if your wife's sitting right beside you. Maybe it's something that's personal in your life. Maybe you're struggling with the temptation that you can't just put down. Something that only God and you know about. What would you change? Why would you change it? Is it because maybe something is missing? You might not even know what it is, but when you take a moment to really reflect, you know that something is missing. You might have your health, have a large amount of money in your bank account, a beautiful home with a nice vehicle that you can drive to and from work in or pick and drop off the kids at school in. You might have a perfect marriage and even be popular within the community. You've worked your whole life to gain many things, but still, satisfaction continues to escape that grasp. What could it be? Today's scripture is all about this. It covers a man who had it all, but still something was missing. I invite you now to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. As This morning we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 27. And this portion of scripture can be one that we just usually glance over. You may even say that, or think that these verses do not apply to you because you don't have riches or you don't have power. Well, as in all cases with the Bible, I must tell you that it does apply to each and every single one of us. And it is something that we can apply to our very own lives. The topic of these verses concerns itself with a young man who thought that he had it all. He had money. He had power, social status. Yet there was still something missing. The scripture reads, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, man, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his word, but Jesus once again said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed. And they said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. You could be someone who doesn't have wealth. And still have everything that you have ever wanted. And yet, there still could be something missing. 
The actor Jim Carrey once said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything that they ever dreamed of so that they will know that that is not the answer. You see, many can have all that the world has to offer, but there still is something out there that they feel like they can never grasp. And this feeling never goes away. So let's take a deeper look at this young, rich ruler that we read about in Mark chapter 10. This man was young. He was rich. He had his health, probably good looking, and he had power. We all would love to have large bank accounts, perfect health, a body that meets the standards of what we're advertised through the different media outlets. And also, we can't forget about it. Who wouldn't love a position of power? We can hold power in many different areas of our lives, and we want to have a great life with these desires coming to fruition early in our lives. Now, let me tell you this. There's nothing wrong with having goals and certain desires. But what happens when those goals are reached? This man was rich. He was a young ruler with authority. Now, who wouldn't want to be young, rich and powerful? And then we must ask if there is anything wrong with being young, rich and having a powerful position. And the answer to that is no, there's nothing wrong with that. But here is the question. Are we thinking about life properly? Or are we looking at life as if we're short-sighted? If we think that all these things that I have mentioned so far will satisfy us, then we are missing something. Something that a grand house or a fancy car or money cannot buy. And even if you're someone who possesses very little, but you have pride in that, you can still be missing the point. You see, our love and desire and passion for things that are material can cause us to miss out on what is the most important thing within our very own lives. Money can change our attitudes. It provides us with the freedom to do what we want to do, live where we want to live, drive what we want to drive and be who we want to be. And all those things are true. But does it provide real satisfaction? Now, here's the truth. Someone can have billions of dollars, but if their health is bad, they can't buy good health. If you're longing for someone to love you, you can't buy true and honest love. Money can do many wonderful things, but it can't satisfy and fill the spot in your heart and soul that God has created for himself and himself alone. The only thing that can fill that void is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you are wealthy. Maybe you have a powerful position at your place of employment or within our community. Money is no concern to you because you can buy whatever you want to buy and do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. But deep down, when you truly take a look in the mirror, there's something missing. A personal relationship with God our Father. You see, this rich young ruler had everything that he had ever needed. He didn't need one thing because he had it all. Or so he thought. But when he heard about Christ, he ran to him and begged Jesus for something more. He had heard that this man named Jesus could provide satisfaction to his heart. And there there he was running, falling before Christ, looking for that sweet satisfaction that he had longed for during his time of power and health. And he said to Christ, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
This young man found out something that many have yet to discover. He was longing for something that money cannot buy. His power couldn't purchase this desire that he had been chasing his whole life. He wanted eternal life. So Christ asked him. But look how Jesus answered the young man. Christ didn't insult or condemn him. Jesus gave him some of the commandments. And then he said, you know, these commandments. And the young man told Jesus that he had been doing these things all of his life. And when we look back into the scripture, we can notice that Jesus didn't mention to the man the commandment that he should not covet. Why is that? It's because Jesus knew this man. And just as he knows every single one of us and every single one of our struggles to this very day, he knew that that man was rich. The young man was then most likely expecting Jesus to tell him, very well then, eternity is yours. You follow the commandments. You've donated money. But that isn't what happened. Christ looked at him with love and told him to sell all that he had and then to give his money to the poor and to follow him. This man thought that because he had done all of these good deeds and followed the commandments that he could gain eternal life. This is a plague that continues to find its way into today's world, even into many Christians' minds. There are many people out there that think that what they do during their life and how many good deeds they do will get them into heaven and help them etern- or help them receive that eternal life. But pastor, I'm a good person. I don't lie. I don't gossip. I don't donate or I donate my time and my money to good causes. What do you mean that I'm not saved? My friends, the Bible is very clear on this, and it says that it is not by our works, but our faith in Christ. If we could have eternal life by our works, we wouldn't have had to have Christ die on the cross. This young man came to Christ explaining all the things that he had done, expecting his personal life resume to earn himself eternal life. But then Christ did something. He looked at this man with love. He didn't go off on him. He knew that this young man had been taught wrong and had been deceived. Christ told him that he lacked one thing and to go sell all of his possessions and come and follow him. Now, Jesus isn't saying that by selling all of his possessions that this man then would be saved. He's saying that this man was depending on his possessions and coveting to earn himself eternal life. Christ was confronting the very sin that this man was clinging to and the very sin that was separating him from God. It was his greed that was keeping him from salvation. Christ was telling this man to surrender everything that he had to him and then to trust him. But that was way too much for this man. He wanted to cling to something that he would never be able to keep for eternity in trade for something that he couldn't ever lose. We don't realize that if we spend our time devoting ourselves to chasing certain things in life, we will miss the one thing that matters the most. So what keeps us from surrendering? The answer to that is pride. Many people can't digest the fact that all we have to do is accept Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Pride flexes its muscles when we hear this true statement because we think, but I have to do something. There has to be something that I can do to earn my salvation. This is something that we want to be able to say that we did. We want credit for it so that we can puff our chest out, walk down the streets of our town and say, look what I have earned. Salvation. No matter where you are in life or where you were in life when you gave your life to Christ, it didn't matter. 
We all come to the cross as sinners. And it is based on his mercy and grace that we can say that we are saved. It doesn't matter what you have done. In his letter to the Romans, Paul tells us that everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I, Tyler Hinnick, am a sinner. And I do not deserve to call heaven my permanent home someday. But Jesus Christ says differently. Where it was written guilty by my name, it now has a line draw through it and it says forgiven. And I can guarantee you that it is not by my own works. Salvation is a gift from God and not something that we own. And I haven't been blessed by this forgiveness because I simply believe in Christ. We have to remember that the devil himself believes in Jesus Christ. We must place our faith in Jesus and confess it with our lips and our hearts that he is our Lord and Savior. Now, what if we make the wrong choice? In Mark chapter 10, we see that Christ still loves us. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This man, his time, his hour of decision had come. And he chose his possessions over Jesus Christ. He chose his fancy house. His wonderful automobile, maybe another relationship, some kind of possession he chose instead of Jesus. And he left weeping. And I can guarantee you that at that moment in time, Christ himself in his heart was weeping as well because he saw someone that he loved, that he cared about, that he wanted to spend eternity with him, turn his back on him for something silly that would never be around Years down the road. Many times what we own becomes what we find our security in. We forget to look beyond this life, which is just a small glimpse into eternity. When we die, it doesn't make a difference how old we are or how much we gained. But the one thing that remains the same is our faith and relationship with Almighty Jesus Christ. Jesus even acknowledges how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. This serves as a warning to every single one of us. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, why would Christ give an example of a camel fitting through the eye of a needle? Everybody knows that that is impossible. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying right here. It is impossible, impossible to get into heaven unless you make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. There is no other way. There are no back entrances into the kingdom of God. There is only a front door and that door takes a key and that key is Jesus Christ. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Christ then lays out the answer to this question as plain as day. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. If you are a wealthy person, I don't want you to think that it's a sin and that you have done wrong. God has blessed you. But you are even more blessed because you are saved by faith in Christ. And faith alone. God saved you. God opened your heart to him. But what does wealth do? It gives us false security. 
No matter what you give in money or time, it will not atone for your sins. The only thing that can cover our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. No matter if you are rich or poor, we all have a full bank account and blessings by having salvation through God's only son. We all have had moments in our life where we succumb to pride and greed. We say, I got to have this or I need this. Friends, all we have to do is lay it all down because the only thing that we really truly need is Christ. We have to trust him. So now let me ask you, are you someone who is searching and desiring something in life that you can't quite grasp? You have noticed that degrees, money, power and other experiences haven't been able to fill that void. You have that itch in your soul that you just can't put your finger on. So what's missing? You may be a believer in Christ, but have you surrendered? Have you given that void in your heart and your soul for him to reside in? Someday we will all be gone. Our last breath will have been taken and all the riches in the world will not be able to buy us one more minute here on earth. But something that we can surrender our investments to is Jesus Christ himself. That is something that won't ever be taken away. The stock market might crash, but the power of Christ never goes bankrupt. The value of the almighty dollar might rise and fall, but the love of almighty God stands strong for eternity. We all enter this world with nothing. And they say that when we leave this world, we leave with nothing. But this is something that I disagree with. Because when we make Christ our personal Lord and Savior, that relationship never leaves us. His love and passion for us never dies. And that is something that we can take with us when we go. Now, some might be thinking, so wait a second, you're telling me that I can go about my business, living life, doing whatever I want to do, just as long as I believe in Christ and say I have faith in him. I can live as I please and still enter the kingdom of God. And many in our world think that way. They think that their belief in Christ is a spiritual hall pass or a get out of hell for free card. My friends, that is not true. Because if we live a life with that type of approach, we are taking advantage of the blood that was shed upon the cross. And it shows that we really haven't devoted our lives to Christ, not either fully understanding it at all either. When we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we commit our lives to him. And there is a new birth that takes place. It changes us throughout our lives. And we begin the process of becoming conformed to the image of Christ. Galatians 2.20 tells us that we have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer we who live, but Christ within us. Romans 6.11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. When we truly and honestly surrender ourselves to Christ and proclaim him as our Lord and Savior, our actions change. And we serve him as he has commanded us to do. And our hearts are invested in it. You see, we can volunteer hours and hours of our time to a good cause. We can donate tons of money as well to help those in need. We can sing songs of worship and praise right here in this very church building. But if you do not have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ, and we don't truly have faith in him as our Lord and Savior, all of those things are meaningless in the eyes of God. 
Matthew 7, 21 through 23 tells us, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. The question that needs to be addressed here is what is the will of the father? Faith and belief in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, are the only answers. Willing and eager obedience is the hallmark of someone who has truly come to faith in Christ. They obey not because they want to earn God's favor, but because they feel delighted already about having received it. Where do your securities lie? What do you invest in? Are you like the young rich ruler that was willing to cling to something that he would never be able to keep? For eternity? Or are you investing in your relationship with Christ, which is something that you can never lose? So I ask you one more time when you look at your life and you feel like you're just chasing the wind, what's missing? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we admit to you that we cannot be children that you desire us to be. We have greed on our minds and pride in our hearts. We deceive ourselves in holding on to material things when in truth all we need is you. Help each and every one of us take a deep look into our lives and see if there is anything that is keeping us from fully surrendering our lives to you. You love us so much that You gave your only son to be able to cleanse us from our sins so that we may spend eternity with you. Help us hold on to that treasure because it outweighs anything that we can hold on to here on earth. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We love you. Amen.